This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Urich. I'm the founder of 1000 Hours Outside, and I have a new friend with us today, one that I actually got to meet earlier this year. John Lovell, welcome. Thanks for having me on. It was great meeting you down in Florida at the homeschool mm-hmm. convention. So that was a great time. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, my husband, Josh, was so excited when he found out that you were coming. It was like a huge deal over here. And then got to meet your wife, got to meet your boys and got to hear you speak in person, which was fantastic. Such an awesome message I sat in on. So really cool to meet you in person and have a random pizza dinner by the pool. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah. And I think Rebecca's coming to Wild and Free Conference with some friends here in the fall. So excited to see her again. And just finished reading your fantastic new book, The Warrior Poet Way. Congrats. Thank you. It's been a labor of love. It's been a couple years in the making. So I flipped back through some of it, just uh, checking in. I'm like, when I was 39, I'm like, well, I'm 41 now. And then I've got stories when my, so it's been quite a process, but finally it is here. So very good. It is a long process for sure. And it's just a fantastic book. It's written, I think, for the husband, for the man, for the father, but I got a lot out of it as a mother. And just as a person, a book about bravery and a book about parenting. So it's a fantastic one. Just launched this week. So huge congrats. And then you have all sorts of stuff. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, courses that people can take, a whole media. Well, tell us. Tell us all the things. Well, you just knocked out a bunch of them. We also have a streaming service so that uh, we have content that's specially there. So if folks are interested of like, I want to be able to protect my loved ones, my little guys, you know, uh, well, we've got pistol courses. And so it is the best place on the internet to be able to tune in and, and have a real good guide into how to get into firearms and how to gain some just general safety knowledge and ease into that pool. And then you can really amp it up with pistol two and pistol three classes and all. We get into some pretty crazy stuff later on, but it's a perfect place to really get some good training. You know, you you pick at YouTube, we have a lot out on YouTube as well. uh, And that's free open source. And it's good to kind of bait the hook. You'll get a lot of good stuff, but not in the nice lengthier progression that makes sure nothing gets left out and nothing's missing. So all kinds of resources there. Mm -hmm. So people can find the Warrior Poet Society and you have these on-demand training courses too. So lots to look for. And the book just came out. If people want to find it, the best place to go is the warriorpoetway.com. And it's a great one for your husband. It's a great one for your older sons. We're starting to give them out as shower gifts. So Mm. go to bridal shower, give it to the fiance, the husband-to-be. So we've got some friends that we're giving books out to, and it's been awesome. So this is an interesting story that it's this transition from being a college partier Mm -hmm. to becoming in the Ranger Battalion. So can you just tell us, that's a really big transition. You're doing a year of college, and then your life completely shifted. So I'm sure people would love to hear about how and why that happened. I mean, and, and here you are now with all of these things that would not have happened had you stayed probably in that college track. My life has been a string of wild swings and, and uh, extreme transitions. So, I mean, from a, a wild kid who uh, was into all the wrong stuff and then kind of wrestling focused me out. And then I went to college and majored in fraternity and I was nuts again. <laughs> and then I went into special operations and that definitely uh, had some changes in the special operations. I met Jesus right away. And so that was a far bigger change than actually just going from college to military. Far, far bigger change happened right there at conversion. It was a violent conversion that I go into in my book. And then from there, I get back, I leave the military, I go into the workplace and then fold up shop and head to the foreign mission field for four years with my wife. And we come back and we're in the training world and then Warrior Poets Society. So it's just some really, really big, very Mm -hmm. different kind of stuff of no career counselor could have helped me sketch that out, (laughs) you know? 
<laughs> right. Do you want to be a, a garbage man or a teacher? I mean, I remember sitting, I do remember sitting in with those high school counselors and looking back, it was very, it was a very small box. Like yeah. I wish in retrospect, I would have known all the different types of careers there could be out there. And obviously you can't know as technology changes, some new things pop up, but you definitely get a very small slice in those meetings and yeah. don't realize that, hey, there's a whole world out here of things that you can do. So I love to hear a little bit more about the Ranger Battalion because you said that basic training was a breeze. You felt like it was kind of theatrical. You feel like I know what's going on. And then you say Ranger training was not the same. You say it was, for lack of a better word, horrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't want to disparage anyone's experience who's been to infantry basic training and AIT and that stuff, because it, it is hard. It just, I was pretty well equipped for it. And I'd been through some pretty tough suffering before. And so uh, it, I, I watched dudes by my left and right really struggle. I didn't really struggle. Airborne school was a struggle, but for a different reason. It's not because it was really hard. It's because that it was just maddening. Like everyone walked around chanting, airborne, airborne, for weeks. And then you just <laughs> jump out of an airplane a few times. And I'm like, really? All that? Weeks to learn how gravity works? Of like, you jump out, gravity, you know, does its thing, parachute opens. But if someone chanted the word airborne to me one more time, I was <laughs> going to put my fist through their face. Uh, so uh, it was different for uh, uh, different reasons, right? But um, Ranger Battalion was different. That was hard. That was really hard. And the hardest thing isn't getting to Ranger Battalion, it's staying there. Getting there is difficult. Staying there is very hard. And so it, it would be, yeah, sometimes you just feel like you're hanging on by your fingernails. But uh, yeah, yeah, it almost feels like you might not make it. You told a story in there about the Skittles. You have really good stories in this book. Thank you. Thank you. So can you tell us a little bit about the Skittles story? So it's so fun. I'm in the tactical world. I have all kinds of like, like videos and courses that revolve around cool kit and body armor and gear. And so sometimes I'm trying to help folks, uh, husbands, every dude watching this, every gal that's married to a dude, he wants body armor in multicam with black balaclavas and cool guns. And you're like, oh, not my husband. I'm like, yes, your husband. We never really grew up, ladies. We never really grew up. But uh, I point out that uh, you, you can be all kitted up for war, but real soldiers know secret of like, it's not all about magazines and all this stuff. It's like, you're going to want some water and some comfort food. You know, when things <laughs> get really, really miserable, Skittles were my just, uh, they were my morale boost. And so mm -hmm. I always had Skittles on me whenever I was in full kit, all camoed out ready for war. And even when I'm fighting in war, you're not going to find me without Skittles on me. So that was a little morale food. But there was one night we were doing an airfield seizure and I got hypothermia. And so my hands stopped working. And so I couldn't open the pack of Skittles that I had. So life was miserable. I really did think I was going to die. And so my prayers changed from Lord, save me to Lord, here I come. And so I really did think I was uh, dying in that night, but I was trying to get these Skittles open at one point and I didn't have the strength of hands, you know, because of the numbness to even hold the Skittles so that I could tear it with my teeth. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, finally, after an arduous process, uh, I did get the Skittles open. And so uh, that's probably why I'm alive today. It's Skittles. <laughs> this is great. I mean, these are great stories. You can't even really imagine yourself in those positions down in the water for X amount of time for so long yeah. and then longer. And sometimes, I mean, that's really a trick that we use for our kids. <laughs> when we would hike when they were little, I'd always have a little bit of something that would kind of keep yeah. them going. So it's good for parents. It's good for warriors. And you start this book, you know, with your story, but really you weave throughout the whole thing childhood mm -hmm. from front to back. You talk about your childhood, your kid's childhood, and this thought, and it comes up sometimes in our Facebook group of young boys running through the woods and playing war and playing soldiers and all of the types of things that they play. Can you just talk about childhood and why this time outside for kids, this free time, this free play, why it's so important for them to start to build who they are. I realized that it was important for little boys to go play in the woods and be wild and free, you know, a long time ago, but it's amazing each day of thinking about it and seeing it in action. Uh, it impressed upon me 
just how critical it is. It's not a little important. It's absolutely quintessential for the development of young men. Uh, government schools do the exact opposite. You know, you close them into a, a box and you sit them at a desk and you tell them to sit still for hours. And it's doing something far worse than having them act out. It's actually killing their masculine spirit. Men are supposed to grow up to be leaders and bold and brave and adventurous. They're supposed to find new paths, whether that's in the business realm or problem solving. They need grit. They need to be uncomfortable and get their hands dirty. And these are the life skills that are wildly more important than anything that that teacher from the government school is going to pass on to them in a classroom. It just is. It's it's the character development stuff, and it's developing a strong, vibrant masculinity. It's fostering creativity, and that's the stuff that really needs the development more than memorizing whatever this Marxist institution wants to cram down their throat as they systematically destroy the child's love of learning. So... Wow. <laughs> That's great, John. I, I love it. <laughs> I, here's the thing. There's something to be said for people who just tell it like it is, isn't there? Those are my favorite yes. books. The books that have stuck with me the most are the ones where they come out and tell it like it is. Peter Gray says in his book, I don't know if you've read it, it's called Free to Learn. He says, mm. school is prison, but no one will say it out loud. Everyone knows it, but yeah. no one is willing to say it out loud. Well, thank you for that. So that's right in his book. And I think we need that. We need those bold words. And these kids are just more and more of their days are being co-opted. So you spend your childhood roaming. Right. Tell us about yep. yours. Yeah. So uh, thank you for that, Jenny. I appreciate it. I did not set out to write a pretty book. Uh, I wrote out to make a powerful one. So I pull no punches. I realize I'm like, I'm, they've been canceling me for ages now of like, find me on all the social media. Good luck. They hate me. They bury me. They shadow ban me. I don't care anymore. I'm so sick of being pushed around and bullied. And I love my kids too much. And I love my country. And I am not self-censoring anymore. Cancel me if you want, but uh, I'm going to keep speaking the truth. And it doesn't work. Can we say that it doesn't work? Because I've been through the same thing. And as our children are getting older, I have been more impressed about the world that they're entering and what can I do to play a part in that. So I think that someone has to pave the way for our kids. And I think that's on us. That's a tall order. But I want to say that it does not work. People try and tear you down. They send messages. We have the same thing. Send messages. She had this person on her podcast. And that person's been on this podcast and that podcast believes this. And so this, I mean, it's the whole thing. It's whatever they can find, but it does not work. Isn't that funny? I think canceling someone only works as if that person tacitly accepts the cancellation. You know, if, if instead you get on this next day doing your content creation and be like, Hey, guess what? Hey guys, I'm back. Yeah. Screw all the naysayers. I'm back. And so, yeah, that's fantastic. But I want to encourage people that because you do not have to be afraid. And I, your book also talks about culture and being a part of society and that there's also a war on ideas. And there right. has to be a place where people can share their ideas, share their thoughts. We're all learning. We're all growing. It cannot just be one viewpoint. And that is all that's accepted. And so I think that's a great part. It's in your book. So people are looking for encouragement there. It's definitely in there. And we're right there with you dealing with it and trying to think about what's coming for our children and what part that we play. But Mm. if people, you know, you talked about your conversion and becoming a Christian, if people listening are Bible readers or want to read the Bible, there's a lot of information in Proverbs about it. It says, if someone rolls a stone up on a hill to fall on you, it's going to fall on them. So there are natural consequences to what people do and, and the ways that they come at us. And it really does not affect success. And in fact, I think it often does the opposite. Yeah, possibly so. You know, you said something just a, a couple minutes ago, and it's still been circulating in the back of my mind of like, oh, I'm mad at Jenny because she had so-and-so on and I don't like them. And how strange uh, are we as a culture that we would so wholesale reject different ideas and different people? It's kind of like, if you don't line up perfectly with my already pre-established worldview then I am going to hate that person. I'm going to hate anybody that hosted him. Jenny, mm-hmm. if you don't hate who I hate, then I'm going to hate you. That's it. And I'm kind of like, really? 
Are we subjective? I can only speak to the people that happen to already agree with me on everything. And if you deviate in any way, I'm not even going to have a conversation with you. And I'm like, those folks have like, I can't believe you had so-and-so. Hey, shut up. That is not a mature thought. That is not a mature adult human thing of you should be able to have emotional flexibility and dexterity so that you could actually entertain an idea and a worldview that isn't yours. If truth is really true, it should be able to stand on its own. I have no problems speaking to a myriad of different guests that I happen to disagree with. Now, I'm going to hold the line so I can say there's all kinds of different religious viewpoints, but you know, the law of the excluded middle and identity and the law of non-contradiction, we can't all be right. We're either all wrong or one's right and all the others are wrong. And so that's just the way it is. Two plus two equals four. And there's an infinite amount of other numbers and they're all wrong. Only one answer is right because truth is narrow and exclusive. So uh, you can regale me with all kinds of different theologies, but I believe Christianity is the correct worldview uh, based on Jesus who cut time into 2,023 years ago. And the whole world recognizes that. And so uh, let's probably start with a God, man, Jesus. And so people will hear that and be like, well, I don't agree with that. I'm like, well, that's okay. You don't have to agree with everything I say. Let's kick around some ideas and high five, and maybe we'll learn a little from each other as we go along. And I know that one fact. I don't know a whole bunch of other things. I'm still learning and growing on a journey. So chill out. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I've commandeered your podcast. I'm going to shut up <laughs> no, and I'm gonna let you stuff. ask a question, but you excited my wrath and set me on a rant. <laughs> so though it was my fault, I'm going to actually blame you, Jenny. <laughs> I am here to excite your wrath. That's why I'm here. Well, this is a part of your book, though. So it seamlessly goes. You say the modern warrior, it's not about just physical threats. It's also about philosophies. It's about ideologies. You say to engage in the war of ideas, speak the truth, do not self-censor your speech in fear, live as if you are free and you will be. So if people are interested in that, because that is a big part of our society. And as parents, we are raising our children to enter a world that is pushing towards self-censorship. And so if that's something that you need strength in, if that's something that you need courage, if you need a reminder, if you need direction, I think there's not much direction about that, John, because it's new, they can find it in your book, The Warrior Poet Way. So good to know that it's in there. When you talk about strength, there's a lot in our culture about masculinity, right? It's really not the best word culturally, masculinity. But when you talk about the word strength in here, you're talking about being strong in order to carry the burdens of others which I thought was such a beautiful thing, a beautiful reminder, maybe even something that someone's never heard before. Can you talk about that part of why boys start off with testing their strength and why they should continue to search to be strong throughout their lives? This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit BetterHelp.com 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 1000 hours. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. 
Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember, to sign up and save, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. Yeah. So little children start off weak. And if you mothers don't take care of those little baby boys, uh, we die. You know, if we are completely committed to the care of someone else, we're not carrying any burdens. We are a burden. Uh, Now, a joyful burden, but still, you got to do everything for us. During childhood, you start growing up, and now you're able to take care of some chores and stuff, and you know you you don't need your diapers changed, and that's good. And so you're starting to carry some of your other stuff. Still, in high school, you can take care of nearly all your stuff. You could do your own laundry, drive yourself to the store, you can cook your own food, you can read books and learn. Now you're starting to learn how to carry your own weight. And now after your teenage years, we move into adulthood, and what should happen is is You've gotten all your stuff so well together. You got a healthy mind. You got a healthy heart. You got ambition. You're moving forward. You got a plan for your life or you're working toward one. You're not only able to carry your own burdens, but you're getting so strong in your healthy growth Mm -hmm. that you're able to start carrying the burdens of others. Men were given strength so that we could not only carry our own stuff as if we've extended adolescence indefinitely. So we're wasting copious amounts of time in the basement of mom's house while we're playing video games into our 20s and 30s. That's a little boy who can shave. That's pathetic. No, no, no. Men are supposed to carry the burdens of others. So I can carry the responsibility of a family. And if I'm if I'm strong, I can carry even more responsibility. Maybe I'm leading a company. Maybe I'm helping serve and lead at a church. You know, of like the strength of a man will allow him to be able to carry great weight. Now, women, you're also strong. I'd say your greatest strengths are in different areas than ours. But another attribute that women have uh, is your beauty. Y'all woo us into following you. So you have beauty to attract and men have strength to pursue you. And so that's part of our strength as men is we have the romantic inclination that many of us haven't really grown into and started really fostering, but that's a big piece of masculinity, a massive piece. You know, I've got a friend who leads a church out in Washington who in their mantra is slay the dragon, win the girl. And I'm like, that pretty much sums sums it all up, right? Slay the dragon. That, and it's the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're the bride of Christ. And so we are the girl in, in that narrative and uh, blessed to be so. So anyway, men are given strength to be able to pursue you forever. And uh, I think that's a really cool gig. But uh, a lot of us, have we fall into these little boxes, not recognizing the full vibrancy of masculinity. And then we don't recognize what strength really is. So strength isn't just physical strength. Uh, People will default toward thinking strength is, is just what they happen to be strong at. But no, there is physical strength. And that's important. Be a good physical protector of you're harder to kill and you're generally more useful, right? Mm -hmm. When you are physically strong. But let's be mentally strong. Crack a book and put down your stupid phone. Learn something. Become intellectually sharp so you can be able to combat stupid, lofty arguments which set themselves up against the knowledge of God that you can be wise in how to steward your relationships and and, uh, make a killing business. Be mentally strong. Be emotionally strong. If someone cuts you off in traffic and that just ruins your day, you are emotionally weak. Your temper should be under wraps. You should be emotionally able to uh, manage and handle the difficulties in the messiness of relationships and how taxing that can be. More important than the physical, the emotional, and the mental is the spiritual. And when I say that is a weak man, almost always, I mean, their character sucks. That's somebody that doesn't have real convictions. They're like our politicians. They'll change what they believe on the polls. And you never really know what they believe, except they want more power and more money. They are spineless, weak people that will stab you in the back and run you over to get ahead. They may have plenty of ambition and lots of strengths like a villain might, but morally weak people will stab their best friends. They will cheat on their spouses Uh, They will lie to your face. 
those are morally weak people. And uh, we need to be strong in all areas, not just one or two. Yeah. And that's what you get out of the book, that the strength comes in many different facets. And really when we, I mean, that's what I talk about with taking kids outside is that it helps their whole being. It helps them emotionally and it helps Mm -hmm. them with their social skills and all of these different things. And so that's what we're looking at. We're looking at raising whole kids. We're looking at being whole people in our marriages. So if people are interested, there's a lot of marriage advice in here, a lot of parenting advice. And when you talk about strength and strong men, you know, we we kind of have these ideas of huge muscles and the veins popping. And you have this great story in here about being strong, but sort of also unassuming. And Mm -hmm. You talk about the wrestling. There's so many good stories in here. That was one of my favorite ones, though. It was your high school story, and you were a wrestler. It was a big part of your childhood. And I really have so many notes here now. I'm confused. I can't even find it. What the guy's name was, the teacher. He was like the Spanish teacher. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, I was a, a pretty darn good fighter. Mr. Lopez. Yeah, there you go. I was a pretty good fighter in high school. I was known by my high school as like the school's wrestler uh, when I was uh, near graduation. That that was my identity was wrapped up in it. So I I was a handful. Even if you outweighed me, you were stronger than me. I I could probably still crush you. Uh, Mr. Lopez was kind of a portly middle-aged man who joined us for wrestling practice one day. And I took one look at him. I'm like, I mean, I, I I could even as a teenager for wrestling... Didn't matter if you you could be a grown man. I'm going to thrash you. This guy beat the crap out of me, beat the crap out of me. I find out later he's got so many black belts and all these different things. And I didn't know, but he was just so smooth and fast. For a, I didn't understand why nothing was working. It's like I it entered into this separate dimension where all of a sudden I couldn't do anything. So I've never really recovered from that. But the point of that chapter is, is I thought I was just bad news. I thought, man, I am something to be feared. And I learned that uh, there's always somebody out there that can kick your teeth in. There's always someone better than you and whatever you think you're awesome at. And uh, I think the Lord sent him to me to teach me humility. And I recognized that my lack of humility was a really, um, it, it was a deeper weakness than I even knew. Uh, and it it really, that humility that I gained propelled me to be far better than I would have if I hadn't have got my clock cleaned. And so. It's a funny, it's a funny yeah. story too. And the book is funny. I mean, there's funny parts. I mean, the way that you write, like you said, he absolutely destroyed me and wasn't even phased, leaving me panting on the mat, soaking in the sweat of my own embarrassment and defeat. And you said he just <laughs> talked through the whole thing. He did. Like it was no big deal. It's like he's not even putting out much effort. He didn't know that it, as he was just flippantly chatting along that I was in the battle of my life. <laughs> my very identity hung in the balance. And he's talking about sna- snacks or something after after wrestling practice. <laughs> like, I think I need to go pick up my dry cleaning. <laughs> he didn't say that. I have no idea what he talked about. I was too busy uh, battling for my... Uh, fragile soul in that moment. <laughs> yes. But it's it's good information. A man who is unpredictable almost always has the upper hand. Don't stand out. Just really interesting. You even talk about the way that you dress, which is very plain. I kind of noticed that and you talked about it in the book. So it's, it's interesting. So there's a lot in here that's practical that people could apply immediately, you know, humility, but also just safety and the way that we go about in the world. I did a a guy in our podcast back at the beginning of the year who talks about having fun. He's like yeah. a PhD and that's his thing is fun. And he studied all about it. And he talked about something that I'd never heard before. And then it was in your book. He talked about memento mori, which is a reminder yeah. basically to live to your fullest. And his was a voicemail. His, his brother passed away suddenly. And so his memento mori was this last voicemail from his brother. And whenever wow. he didn't feel like investing in a relationship or going to do something, he would listen to that. And it would push him on. And that's been something that's been really impactful for me, just learning about that and thinking about how we don't ever regret when we put in the effort for relationship or experience or adventure, that type of thing. But sometimes it's hard to get over the hump. You're tired. You're overwhelmed. And you talk about the memento mori in this book, but then you also talk about the death letter, which I guess if you're not in the military, you wouldn't, maybe you would, I didn't know about it. It makes sense. But it was a really big challenge to 
think about what we want to leave behind and what's important. So could you tell us about that process and what it's done for you to write that death letter? Sure. Memento Mori. Uh, you know, the Stoics really grabbed onto that, recognizing that, hey, we're a fleeting breath. Moses would talk about this. I think it's in Psalm 90, throughout the Psalms of, hey, teach us to number our days, O Lord. I just read this morning, I was reading the final like five Psalms, and uh, man, it's just but a breath. We're here today and gone tomorrow. And so uh, I think it's absolutely critical that we live in such a way that the end of life is in mind so that we can reverse engineer and focus on what is the most important. Otherwise, our schedules will naturally fill out with a million different tasks that all seem critically important. But if you could take a deep breath and calm your anxious, worrying heart, you'd recognize none of this stuff, oh, like 98% of this stuff, it's not worth fretting about. Stop worrying. Martha, 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 Jesus said, uh, you're worried about so many things, but only one is really important. And Jesus is whispering, hey, number your days, know what is important, know what's right in front of you. Calm down, anxious woman and anxious man. And so not only does thinking about, hey, how do I die well, it guarantees that you're able to live well, but you can also be freed from so much of the fear and crippling anxiety that people carry around in their chest every single day and not do anything about it. You got to do something about that. It's killing you. So uh, I urge people toward that. Yeah, I didn't. I just read the book just last weekend, so I haven't done it yet, but it's something I'm mulling over. You know, a death letter challenges you to be better now. Writing the last things you would ever say to all the people you love is something that will rock you to your core. Yeah. Certainly deep thoughts of what you want to impart. And I love that verse in Psalms. It actually is the opening verse in my 1000 Hours Outside book because <laughs> it says, teach us to number our days okay. that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Yeah. And I think it's so important <laughs> to know that you don't have unlimited time. John Acuff says, time is your most valuable resource, but also your most vulnerable. And that's the truth. So yeah, to write a death letter just to help you now and just to help you really be concise on probably what you want to pass down, right? what you want to leave to your loved ones. And it was a good idea. Each chapter ends with a practicum. Mm -hmm. So steps to actually do. And that was definitely one of them. So talk to us about these books that you've read. You know, it's interesting to think of a, a college. It really is. I can't, it's hard to even picture like, you know, the college partier to this warrior poet. You've had a lot of influences along the way. Who are some of your favorite authors? Give us some ideas of what we should be reading. Yeah. Uh, for me, um, you know, some people will roll their eyes of like, God, get off the Jesus thing. I'm like, no, bro, seriously, this is the honest answer. Uh, and that's the Bible was really the book I went to at, at a pretty violent conversion um, in 2001. And at that time, I'm like, oh, I think I need a Bible now. And so I got saved. I immediately started reading the Bible and I just read it cover to cover, flipped it over, did it again and again and again. Mm -hmm. But everything for me, it's like the Holy Spirit flipped on a switch where a guy who is a crappy student always all of a sudden loved learning. And it wasn't wow. just Bible. It was across the board. I loved learning. And there just all of the sudden I wanted to read. I wanted to know everything. And so it was, I think, a spiritual gift that was given to me at the moment of salvation. And that's the gift of knowledge, which is a requirement for those who have the gift of teaching. And that that's mine, it's gift of teaching. And so I just started reading and consuming everything from philosophical works, mostly theological. I would get way into history, especially church history. Uh, for a very long time, I like Christian uh, worldview and ap apologetics kind of stuff as well. The natural sciences, I have read some science textbooks since, but of more of the intelligent design perspective, because typically we're taught a secular view only of the natural sciences, which is a shame because we have so many titans in academia that represent um, intelligent design worldview. But our public and even our private schools don't even know these guys exist. And the arguments are amazing. And so I've dabbled in some of that. And so I think you asked for authors and I actually gave categories, but I felt like I had to launch into the categories uh, first and talk about that. I don't, 
I have a reading list of all kinds of stuff on uh, like an Amazon link. Sorry. Uh, but uh, do you share that somewhere? Is that somewhere people yeah, can yeah, find? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go to my YouTube videos and you scroll okay. down, you can almost always uh, find that. And uh, here I can, uh, th- there it is. I just sent it to you in our little chat. There's the there's uh, the reading list and I've just mm-hmm. packed all kinds of stuff in there. If, hey, how do you become a better defender and protector? Uh, war history stuff as well. So I pack a whole lot of different stuff. And hey, by the way, don't underestimate the importance of reading fiction. I thought fiction was kind of a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought, no, 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 give me uh, the nonfiction stuff. You know, of uh, Jenny, your your book and my book would be in the nonfiction category. And then give me the history. Give me facts. I'm like, no, 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 you have no idea. Yeah, get our books and do that stuff. But you have no idea how important the fiction stuff is, especially for an adult. Uh, yes, for a child, but also an adult yeah. in that it turns on our creative light bulbs. It also allows certain parts of our brain to rest, dormant parts of our brain that we really need to come alive. And it's helped me uh, recharge. It's helped with idea generation. So many times yeah. when I'm reading fiction, good work solutions come to me. I sort stuff out. There's something that's happening there that's so important. Einstein would say that the source of genius is creativity. And mm-hmm. fiction allows all your the creative parts of your brain to fire on in a way that sitting back and watching movies doesn't do it. Doesn't do it. Scrolling social media destroys it. But reading good fiction that moves the soul and moves the heart, it's really, really important. So don't discount that stuff. I love a good fiction. I read a book this year called The Great Alone. That was my favorite one that I've read so far this year about family that moves to Alaska. It was so good. And it sticks with you. Mm. Those characters and the stories, they stick with you. And then you read a lot of fiction to your kids. You talked about the yeah. Green Ember books in there, which is cool. We just actually went down and saw Sam Smith. Just, yes. I think a week or two ago, we went down to West Virginia and did some whitewater rafting and got to have dinner with them, which was so awesome. So what's your rhythm for reading with your kids? Sure. So um, Sam was sending me text message pictures of you guys, almost <laughs> like he's shaming me into visit because I really, oh. really like SD Smith. And we've only had, uh, we've barely spent any time together. We had breakfast uh, after a homeschool conference together and really loved it. My young or my oldest son wants to be a writer. And so he sat right next to him and he had, flips open his tablet at the appropriate time and starts asking him questions. And I could tell that Steve Smith just thought that was the cutest thing. And he was so gracious and so patient. So big fan of uh, Sam for sure. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chop's hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chop's price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com outside120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com outside120 code outside 120. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. 
AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. Let's camp here for one minute because his books are phenomenal and he's yeah. so approachable. So yeah. when, when I had him on, he's been on our podcast twice. And the first time I had my son and his friend join because they're yeah. huge fans and they got to ask questions. And Sam, you know, to have these kids on, he was so engaging with them and talked with them and he learned yeah. their names. And that's just the kind of guy he that's is. Awesome. And then he came on a second time because he wrote a book with his son, Josiah, who yeah. is, was a teenager. And so that's, awesome. that's a really inspiring thing i think for a young author to see that this is something that you can do even when you're still a kid you can still write books that's that jack zulu series and then we went down to west virginia it was totally last minute john it was like we're coming tomorrow and can we take you out to dinner basically or something i mean we're going to be there for a day and a half and he had our whole family over to dinner and there's a lot of us we even have an extra kid with us at the moment it's eight of us and just had us over dinner last minute so those books the green ember series are phenomenal books to read with your family and you talk about them i took a picture of it in here and sent it to him thinking i was real cool like i was gonna let him know look i found your book is written in your book series is in this warrior poet way and he already knew so i was like okay (laughs) sorry (laughs) so uh here well let me get him back for you i did not like when I first started reading the Green Ember series to my boys, I did not like it uh, right off the rip. Uh, the very first one, I was probably about a third or maybe even half away through the first book before I really started to like it because Pickett, he's kind of the main figure and protagonist, mm-hmm. uh, but he's uh, kind of uh, this brat and uh, I don't know, underdeveloped in some ways. And it looks like Heather, his older sister, Rabbit. She is all things great and wonderful. And I'm like, oh, great. The fatally flawed male and the perfect, vibrant female looks like every freaking show and movie that is ever produced for the last two decades. And I'm like, oh, feminism is everywhere and destroys everything. But, uh, you know, if like I don't have a problem with the, you know, a, a strong female, but I'm like, why are all the women always stronger than the males? So boring and predictable and stupid. If I if like see some high heeled chick in black leather kick some two hundred and fifty pound male across a room and these uh, action hero movies, I'm like, oh, give me a break. So um, anyway, but uh, you know, I love Green Ember because I kind of wrote it off at first, and then by the end of the first book, I'm like, oh, this thing is great. And then, but you know, like. <laughs> Books two and three and four of like, I'm reading, trying to keep my voice from cracking and the whole family tears going down uh, our cheeks. And so we adore the Green Ember series. Uh, We read most of the great illustrated classics to the boys when they were younger. That's where we started. I was holding the Chronicles of Narnia off until they were old enough to really understand it and remember it. And so I read them seven of the, all seven of those books. And we had special time, like when we read The Magician's Nephew, we had to put on magic rings to go into our inner attic closet, and that's where we'd do it. And so we were kind of acting out what was happening in the book and stuff. And so in The um, Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, we read in uh, the attic closet under candlelight. And so we're all packed in there and reading it. And so we had a lot of fun with those. And uh, dudes, make sure you read to your kids, even if it's just one chapter every single night. Make sure you're doing that. Even if they're older, screw it. They may not like it at first, but get into it and they'll get into it too, even if they lie to you at first. Uh, but make sure you do the voices. I do the voices. My wife does the sound effects. And so when I'm reading, I'm kind of like, um, and then so-and-so walked into the room, opened the creaky door. And then the book won't say this, but i like, and it sounded like this. And I'll look at my wife and she'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> so the whole family gets involved and so it's a pretty re- it's precious fun now we're reading the ranger's apprentice 
Uh, and that's a really long book series. We're on book three, and the boys are really liking it. Uh, other stuff we've read to him, we've read um, Shakespeare, some Shakespearean stories that were illustrated, and they were written more in common language, uh, but enough of the language there so that you could get some of the beauty. I've seen Shakespeare done extremely bad and extremely well, so you got to get that. We've also read the Greek myths to them. And I don't know, a host of other stuff. If you stacked them all up, they'd be as tall as my nine-year-old, I'm sure. Well, that's an interesting thing because your boys are still young. So to say that you've gotten through, you know, this Chronicles of Narnia, the Green Ember series, all of these different things, the little by little, it adds up to be a lot. A chapter or two a day. And that's it. I mean, some nights we'll just do uh, one or two chapters. If my kids are slow doing their chores and... Uh, getting ready for bed. I'm like, hey, boys, it, it's 845. If y'all missed it, you needed to be mm-hmm. butts in seat at 830. So that cuts in your read time. We, we do one chapter. That's it. Or nope, no chapters. You had bad attitudes today. Of like, Or I'm just working or something like that. Yeah. So reading is so highly regarded in our household that it, it would be a punishment to them to not read. Yeah. And so then when we're done with me reading to them and they go upstairs, then they uh, they have one question of like, hey, how many chapters? They want to know how many chapters of their own books can they read before it's bedtime? Aww. And so if we say three chapters, they'll be like, awesome. But if we say four, we're, pre- we're parents of the year. Reading is extremely highly uh, regarded in our household because we have cultivated the love of yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Sarah McKenzie's got that Read Aloud revival, Mm. and her book is called Read Aloud Family, and she talks in there about how you continue to read out loud even after they can read themselves, which is something that I didn't realize. And so Mm. it's such an important thing that you have these adventures together, and you're bonded through those characters, things you can talk about. It's very cool. I mean, there's really a lot in this book, John. If, If we're talking about marriage, and we're talking about teaching our kids to read, and we're talking about childhood, and teaching our kids a love of reading, and I mean, there's so much in here. What about courage? Well, I think as a society, we just are risk averse and we love our comforts. And you say, when a man fears discomfort, danger is not far off. How do we deal with our insecurities and and our cowardice? Yeah, in ways that people do not understand, folks listening in, your fears and your anxieties and your comforts are killing you. That they are strangling your soul. You are uh, half asleep at the wheel of life, and you've absolutely got to do something about it. Fear is something that can destroy all your relationships, can make you neurotic, and make you worry so much that you're never really enjoying life. Your joy is being robbed, and it's also faithlessness in God. It is a sin. It is wrong, and it's a poison. It's a bitter root, and so. Um, oftentimes when we find resistance in something or apathy, we don't want to do something or get around to it, or I don't want to have that conversation, or I don't want to cut out and try something new. Those fears are what is holding us back from actual growth. If you don't watch it of like, we could go years without actually growing. Uh, I've discovered that just because you're getting older doesn't mean you're growing. You find so many just angry, bitter uh, you know, curmudgeons yelling at the kids in the neighborhood to just get off their lawn. That's a metaphor uh, right there for anybody that as you get older, you get more bitter, you get mm. snappier, uh, you're, you're backbiting at your spouse more, you're easier to set off. It's like everyone has to walk on eggshells around you. I'm like, yeah, you're getting worse over time. Not but mm. aging doesn't mean you get better. Uh, aging doesn't mean you get wiser. Aging doesn't mean that you get more courageous. In fact, the opposite seems to happen oftentimes. And so we have to face our fears. And there's a whole lot of ways that we can go about that, that I detail in the book. But for now, just saying, hey, your fears are killing you and you are giving yourself over to them in many ways. You have to do the hard work of confronting them and you got to start now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the book talks about self-sufficiency, which... You say crazy is in the eye of the beholder. So if people are interested in just some simple ways to start by preparing their families so that you don't have to be paranoid, there's great ideas about that in the book too. So it just covers just such a large gamut of topics and Mm. pertinent things in our life. For the John Lovell, the huge John Lovell fans, which there's so many of them. In fact, 
when we came down to Florida and met you, then it was like our friends who have older kids, older sons, they were so excited. Everyone's getting pictures. What's your day-to-day like? What What's this Warrior Poet Society like building this empire? What's your sort of day-to-day life like? Oh, yeah. And, well, you say all that stuff like I'm somebody special. Everyone will be a little bit let down. I'm like, oh, man, I'm just such a dude. <laughs> It's like the the people who know me, I'm, I'm just a normal guy going through life. Well, I feel that way anyway. I've got, mm-hmm. um, got some weird uh, eccentricities uh, about me. But uh, today I'm working from home. I have an office that I visit a, a few times a week. But today I'm working from home. And so when I go out of my little studio here, I'll be on my farm. I do some farm chores. Uh, I normally work a, a full day grinding it out. Uh, when I get home, usually I, I want to hug kids, put down my bag, and then just decompress. So kind of mm-hmm. uh, spend about two minutes catching up with the family. And then I want to just decompress and go about my own stuff, just be left alone for about 15, 20 minutes. And then I'm able to rejoin the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm real happy. And if I don't get that, I have problems jumping from the box of work to box of family. And I just can't emotionally transition fast enough. A lot of women out there will be real surprised that your husband will need the exact same thing. Leave him alone for about 10, 20 minutes, and he'll come back to you after that, like totally jazzed up. Uh, don't let him go play video games for you know 10 hours or something stupid that little boys do. Uh, but you, you get you get the idea. So um, uh, but then we you hang out as a family and uh we do something together. I oftentimes work out in the mornings. Different stuff, whether it's ministry or meeting up with friends falls in. Sometimes my wife and I are doing date nights. We try to do those once a week. Uh, but mm-hmm. oftentimes if we're traveling together, we kind of are dating as we go stuff. And so, yeah, that, that that's about it. Nothing, nothing too sexy in there, right? That's interesting, though. I mean, you're finding balance somehow. I mean, you have, and this is a, a massive company that you have. You have. If you go on the website, which the website is really cool looking. <laughs> I really like the website. But you've got products that you sell classes that you sell, you've got all of this content that you're putting out and the warrior poet supply mm-hmm. That's where you can find like all the trainings and all the different products. Like Josh has got a warrior poet shirt and he got it. I don't know for father's day or something, but you've got all that stuff. And so it's, it's interesting to see that you have found balance and balance is also a topic in the book because yeah. you're talking about the balance between being dangerous and good and the balance between strong, but also sensitive in the right, right. situations. And so, you're striking a balance with your parenting and with your marriage and with running a business. And the balance piece comes up when you're talking about wrestling. And at one point you kind of took it too far. You're yeah. like sleeping in the air conditioning and trying to lose weight. And I thought oh, that was yeah. an interesting part too, because you talked about how you can be a B student. Like sometimes you can let things go. It was like this topic of balance and it related to perfectionism. Yeah. So a man is made successful. You could absolutely say this to women as well, but 96% of my following is male. So typically I just say men, if that offends anyone, get stronger feelings. So uh, a man is successful based on two things. One is what are the priorities you set? And two, how well do you manage between those priorities? It is an absolute ridiculous fallacy to think that you can give 100% to everything. You just can't. Mm everything is a bit of a give and take. I recognized this when I was early married. So we'd only been married a couple of years and uh, I was engaged in ministry through our church. I was working a full-time job running a company that I created and I was a full-time college student as well and newly married. So I'm stewarding all that and I was making straight A's in college. However, I was getting a business degree. I knew there was no MCATs and no bar uh, waiting on the other side, and I wasn't going for a master's. And so I'm like, I'm working hard to get all A's here because you're supposed to get all A's, but Hmm. it's taken a toll on, I'm supposed to be earning to support a family here. And and I don't want to stop serving at church. And man, I got to definitely pour into my my young marriage I'm trying to make flourish. And our first two years of marriage was hard too. So I'm having to really figure that out. We, we had to really figure some stuff out because we're both pretty strong personalities. And mm-hmm. ultimately, if if something doesn't give, you just bash against each other until you destroy your, your marriage and your, each other. So we had to grow and change 
and year three became a really good part of marriage. And then year four and five, and we're 16 years in and our marriage is amazing. Um, but I'm just saying, I realized my life was not balanced properly. And so I made a new goal. I want all B's, not all A's. I want all B's in my college courses. Uh, and that allowed me to uh, have a little bit more focus on work and uh, mm-hmm. you know the other priorities. And so that was strange to me because I was taught the opposite thing. Mm-hmm. And the opposite thing was wrong for me in that season. Mm-hmm. It may be right for your kid who doesn't have a full-time job or a wife, you know, I'm like, well, you don't got anything else going on. Do well in school or you'll work Mm -hmm. for somebody else who tried well. But for me, I needed to rebalance. Mm -hmm. Stop provoking. I've never heard anyone say that. Aim for all Bs. Aim for Mm -hmm. imperfection at certain points because that helps you maintain balance. I hope that people can see through this conversation, John, that this book is so comprehensive. And so if you're looking for inspiration to be more courageous, if you're looking for someone to give you a little bit of guide with marriage, with parenting, with self-sufficiency, with freedom loving, with homeschool is in there. There's so much in here that someone could get out of this book. So like I said, we have loved it. Josh is listening to it on Audible, on the audio book. I've got my own copy here and we're starting to give them out because they're just great gifts and great for the men in your life, the, the young men in your life that are launching into the world. And so people can find that. And probably anywhere books are sold, I'm imagining, but also the warriorpoetway.com and check out your website too. John, we always end our podcast with the same question. You talk a lot about your childhood in this book, so this is a cool question to go along with the book as well. But what's a favorite memory from your childhood that was outside? Oh, by the way, I just love your movement. Uh, long before we met you, my wife was following you. Uh, and so I started seeing your stickers and stuff uh, everywhere and your shirts appear in my house. And so just know you're doing a great work and we really appreciate you and your community. You're on to something that's so important and has been helpful for us on our journey too. even just the title, the thousand hours outside it beckoned us to, yeah, we should do that. And immediately so like we should spend more time outside. Absolutely. And so uh, we become better at that because you're out there. So thank you for that. Um, you know, I, I grew up in the woods on the lake. And so it's not a specific memory. It's more of a kaleidoscope of the same kind of memory. And that's, I just remember myself climbing trees. Uh, one is there was this big tree that overlooked a cove and me and my neighbors, uh, were climbing way high up in this tree overlooking the lake. And the song Red Hot Chili Peppers Under the Bridge had come out. And it's not a very wholesome song, but we were singing that a cappella as a group of just little ragtag, uh, you know, muskrat, sandlot kind of character kids as we climbed high up in this tree. And we're just, I don't ever want to feed, you know, just going off. <laughs> and so that's a pretty sweet memory. I've never shared that story. So that's good. I love it. Well, John, congrats on your book. It's fantastic. I already saw some of the reviews online and people are just like, can't put it down. It's a total page turner. And I know that the impact is going to go far and wide and people can get all sorts of content. That's the cool thing. It doesn't have to stop the book. You have so much to offer. So really appreciate it, John. And I'm looking forward to hanging out with Rebecca in a couple months. Yeah. Yeah. I'm jealous. I won't be able to hang out with you gals at that event. I don't think I'm going to that. But hopefully we'll catch you at some other uh, homeschool conferences soon. We got a few lined up. So That's awesome. You have given me the greatest book review. So I've done a a good bit of book reviews, but people Mm -hmm. are asking about like all kinds of different subjects. But you were were more excited about the book um, than anybody else seemed to be uh, uh, just overtly. And so thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. It's a phenomenal book, John. And I think it um, fills a need for, I I really think it's going to be extremely impactful for like 15 to 23. Yeah. You know, and it's something like as a parent, you're like, how can I impart all of these topics? And there's so many of them, how to be a better man, how to fit into society, you know, how to fight for freedom. And how can I impart all of this that I want to impart into my kids? And then you package it into a book. (laughs) It's perfect. Yeah. So we're thrilled about it and excited to be giving a bunch of copies away and oh, just you hit you. a home run with it, John. So thank you, sir. All right. Thanks, Jenny. See ya.
Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.